scandalous, but she's also fabulous. Scandalous. 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 You don't know, now you fucking know. Scandalous. No, Tobias. She's so scandalous. Now. They've Got Your Six came out with F8, Five Finger Death Punch's eighth studio album. And with New Blood, the second coming of Five Finger Death Punch is here. Welcome to the podcast, drum genius, teacher, prog god, well on his way to legendary status, Charlie Ink and the new drummer for Five Finger Death Punch. How are you? Yeah, you're, you're a lot of things. There's like a lot to elaborate on there. We could like go on, you know, adjectives and things like that. that. So, Charlie, how about that game yesterday? I'm a cheesehead and us Packers beat you guys 43 to 34 yesterday. So it was fried pickles, wings, beer, and we beat you guys. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't wasn't the greatest showing. It was like a bikes. preseason game, right? That's yeah. kind of like how they were playing. They weren't going very hard with it at all. Felt weird. I don't. It's probably the energy is from the audience missing. I I would assume uh, for both teams. I would think all teams are gonna have to get used to it. But I thought the bikes looked terrible overall. They, you know, everybody scored so many points. It was just kind of a shootout by the end. But uh, our secondary was weak for sure, and Rogers kind of picked us apart. And, how it ended. I know. I loved it when we started scoring and like Roger's face picked up a little bit. He started smirking and smiling a little bit more, like getting that confidence going. And, like I was like, ah, a Rogers. There you go. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But it was weird being like at a sports bar too, because no one could really walk around and like we had people coming to us, but we couldn't get up. We couldn't be rowdy. Yeah, it takes Different. away some of the like fun rivalry of it all yeah like the r of it um so a little bit off maybe they were a little bit off yesterday um but like the song i'm not off today but i have been a lot over the past several months how have you been handling these times any hobbies goals aspirations that covid has brought forth for you yeah, i've been good uh honestly taking a lot of time to just do like housework and stuff, which is what i'm kind of been doing nonstop, just in between you know mm-hmm. lessons and stuff but yeah a lot of uh i do like a lot of outdoor stuff like uh camping and fishing of sorts so i've been doing a good amount of that and uh getting the house ready and that's about it honestly i haven't even played that much drums to be honest um it kind of comes in waves and then i'll play for a while and go but now it's been picking back up so yeah just taking the time to do things i can't do when i'm on the road i suppose this is going to be like the only chance in your lifetime where you can like chill out a little bit. You don't have to play for hours and hours a day. Every single day you can do housework. You can be outside for like long periods of time. So it's like a nice break, right? Yeah. I've been grinding pretty hard for the last, you know, ever. I, I don't even know. How <laughs> years, so it's, uh, it's good to like be able to take a step back to it. Yeah, for sure. And you're up in Minnesota. A lot of the guys are in Vegas. So what is it like in Minnesota? Describe it up there. I'm in Texas. How is it in Minnesota up there for someone who's never been to Minnesota? Oh, you've never been here. Yeah, in general, it's a it's a beautiful state. It's kind of got to mix everything at different parts of the state, different sections of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of good restaurants in the in the cities, kind of like where I live. And then I spend a lot of my time up north, like central Minnesota, super woodsy. Um, I should say north central, really. But then, yeah, you get up towards the border and, uh, you know, tons of lakes and, and that whole outdoors type environment. So, yeah, I do a lot of that. kind of grew up uh, like in both sides. Mm-hmm. My dad my dad lives up north and 
and then I grew up in the city. So yeah, it's uh, it's a beautiful state. It's got a lot to offer outdoors wise. You know, the winter sucks as, as everybody thinks it does. <laughs> but uh, there's some benefits to the to the winter as well. You enjoy those other seasons a little bit more. Yeah, like you actually have seasons. Us in Texas, like we don't really get seasons. It's like hot as hell, cold as hell, no seasons. So that's like it's kind of nice up there. Yeah, yeah, we we get aggressive season changes. So. Aggressive, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So on the track full circle, I think it's kind of ironic and I think it's kind of funny. Um, I, the lyrics, I know I'm never going to change the world. I'm not sure that I could, even if I tried, I don't think these times are what that song is talking about. I think that's like, you know, a lot of work on the inside, but I feel like that's changed a little protests and marches, police reform, the NFL, basketball, baseball, everything has changed. Everything's very political and lots of things are changing um do you feel like we're in really cool times where it's like you can make more of a difference now than you've been able to in the past i've definitely been trying to look at it that way the last few weeks i'd say i i feel like i've been more jaded than non-jaded towards the whole thing because i feel like it's taken a turn for disaster more than it's taking a turn for like positive reform but that's a deep topic not even worth digging into but yeah i do think that i was was thinking that actually the other day in in depth in my head um where yeah there there might be some time now to see the cream rise to the top in a little different way where Mm -hmm. it's not going to be so watered down in every facet of the world where you know everything's just great and you can just kind of flow through life doing this or that or the other thing and having this attitude that's kind of like a fake perception of reality Mm -hmm. when it comes to like how we all present ourselves on social media and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there's some uh, clarity coming through in ways. I just hope that it, you know, turns around a little bit in, in as a whole, I guess, <laughs> to not get too in details with everything. For sure. Yeah, I, I love to be happy. I love to be positive. Um, we hope things turn around, but it does feel like different days where every day, you know, you kind of go through life and I kind of feel – like this sometimes where I go through my days and I'm like, okay, you know, every day is monotonous, you know, like was it all for kind of thing. And it's like, damn, it kind of gives your days purpose when you know that like you really are in charge of your life. These are your choices, your decisions. And um, it feels really cool now that you can kind of make more of a difference now than you ever have been able to before. So I, I like that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's definitely like a, a, a- Thing where now it isn't as monotonous as, as normal, especially the, like media, social media, the whole like what we're yeah. doing now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be interesting. We can say that for sure. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to be good. Not on fire. I think I'm down at this point. Yeah, nothing on fire, right? I mean, it's it's just horrible to like think that it started with a gender reveal. Fuck. I was being more with fire, but yeah, the whole uh, the, the fires out in Cali are, and in Oregon now, for that matter, are pretty bad. I was just out in LA, and it was even down south where I was, the sun couldn't make it through the smoke. So. That's crazy. Yeah, I reached out to like my little Headbangers Con family yesterday in Portland. And I was like, "Hey, is everyone alive? Is everyone doing okay out there?" Um, they're putting another con together in the middle of all this and they just don't know if they're going to have to evacuate or not or anything like that. It's really scary. And so I remember, um, talking to you a little bit about the protests when they all started in Minneapolis 
and you know you had opinions about it we had I really liked your opinions about it. I won't say what they were but it kind of changed my perspective on it because I was real like solid on the way I felt you told me how you felt and I didn't think about it that way at all but just talking about the rebuilding of it all um, we saw a lot on social media where there was a lot of negativity but there were a lot of positives as well that communities were banding together and cleaning up the next day Um, so what's the rebuilding process been like because the city took a huge hit but you saw a lot of beauty and people coming together and cleaning up the city afterwards. So what's it look like right now in Minneapolis? Um, you know, areas that got destroyed, I, are, you know, they're still pretty rough overall in terms of like business reopenings and stuff like that. But honestly, I haven't been down there now in a while. I steer mm-hmm. clear of that area. <laughs> uh, Good for a, you. Good for you. Stay out of it, right? Areas. Um, and it has really nothing to do with like feeling safe or anything like that. I mean, yeah. my neighborhood's as any in the state but uh it's yeah it was nice to see kind of really i think the people came together well the Mm -hmm. government is a whole nother topic of discussion that i feel very strongly about Mm -hmm. i won't even get into the details well five finger death punch does it for you they go in on the government you know all the time and about veterans and the wars and things like that so you don't even have to say anything five finger death punch does it for us we're, we're good about, uh, I feel like we're good, though, about, like, keeping it, um, it's not super specific in how things are said or anything. You know, it leaves things up for interpretation, which I think is it's great, because that's super important right now, is, you know, everybody's too divided and, and too standing on their rock, and they're willing to die on that rock for no reason other than right. So, mm-hmm. kind of that, you know, it's an issue. But, um, yeah, with the Minnesota stuff, you know, I just, I just think our governor... And our mayor, um, well, I should say governor of Minneapolis, and then the mayor, uh, governor of the state, and the mayor of Minneapolis, they, they're the ones who caused this, and I don't see them mm-hmm. stepping up to the plate. Yeah. And you're going to let people destroy your city, you don't turn around and you ask you know, for federal funding to fix it as if anybody else across this country had anything. It's a super deep topic, so yeah. Like yeah. There's so many roads that lead to one or lead to a hundred, but... Um, I think overall, it's it's good here. You know, like the people have definitely um, chilled out a little bit in terms of like, uh, yeah, like active, not even protesting or anything like that. I don't, you know, obviously agree with protesting. It should be done. But yeah, you don't see people taking advantage of the protesting as much as you did before. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing... Um talking separately about that type of government, but the one thing that Five Finger Death Punch always does stand up for, and, you know, it's always about the veterans, and it's always about the taking care of the individual and taking care of, like, you know, I feel like government really takes the, you know, the big picture into consideration and not the individual, and Five Finger Death Punch is always there for the veteran, for the soldier, for the people, like, laying down their lives. So, you know, for the, like, the boots on the ground, you guys are always, like, first and foremost for that. So that is cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's And that's, I think, a good way to put it, too. It's it's about you know, the smaller picture and the, and, the, and the boots on the ground and, and whatever, you know, way you want to view that. Not even just soldiers, but just yeah, first responders across the board. It's, they get ignored and, and lumped as a whole sometimes, and it just becomes this, like, fake group that you don't know about or you care about because it's, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do type attitude. Mm-hmm. And obviously now. Now it's become a whole next level of uh, 
conglomerate. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like a like a big giant cesspool of arguments. But uh, they're still there doing their thing, and and to you know ignore that is a bizarre thing. And then obviously now it's taking a horrific turn when it comes to uh, how they're getting treated in a public perception sort of way. Yeah. Some deserve, some not, in my opinion, but that's irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> it's irrelevant. We won't talk about it, but not really irrelevant. <laughs> my opinion. My opinion isn't. <laughs> not no, you're right. Not at all. Not at all. Um well, kind of talking about like one other thing about Minnesota, I seriously considered going to McNally Smith School of Music yeah. myself. Um, and I loved listening to Doc's podcast um when you were on there and I was like, Wow, you went there. Um, I love that you got your master's um, from that school. Tell us about your educational experience at McNally Smith and the kind of music that you got into and the cool classes. I mean, I remember there was one that was like Theory of Beatles or something like that. You know, they had classes like that. It was like, you know, Theory of like Sergeant Pepper or something like that. Like what were some of the like the cool things you got to study there? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, it was uh, it was a great experience as a musician. I loved it. Uh, got to do a ton of jamming of like crazy. I'm like a prog metal guy, you know, like that's what I was into growing up. So to get to play like, you know, you name it, dream theater ensembles where we do an hour and a half of dream theater live, you know, and, and all those crazy bands, Porcupine Tree, Opeth, Meshuggah, you know, Between the Barry to Me, Protest the Hero, anything kind of fun and jamming. Uh, we did it endlessly while I was there and um like in ensemble wise and so yeah then there's those classes like you're talking about where you know essentially like the beatles theory one or something is is really what you're doing is just breaking down you know the theory behind all the tunes and, and whatnot but i i had a lot of fun with all the goofy classes if you want to call them that like the specific ones i enjoyed the classical ones although they were brutally hard um, but i got into theory a lot when i was there and i got really good at it mentally so, like, I couldn't just sit down and start, like, whipping out crazy stuff on a guitar, even though I'm, like, a, a decent guitar player when I was playing. Um, I knew what I was doing, but I couldn't just, like, improvise across, you know, like, all right, I'm going to do this to this to this progression-wise. But mm-hmm. I got good at piano, so um, that helped me. And, and uh, I got good theoretically, not, it's not like I was sitting and it all day. But I had a lot of fun, and uh, I grew a lot as a musician, you know, no doubt. Um, they're from 25 to 30 so I was already a, a good player when I went there but yeah like you take on the next level of professionalism in your playing and your approach when you are just so that's interesting that you learned piano while you were there did that change the way that you went about drumming because kind of mixing those two together if you like learn piano you know drumming does that change your drumming at all in the way you think about and compose music yeah for sure and and by default it helps you like have better ears and just be better at listening to what somebody's doing and what they want to hear when they're doing their thing versus as a drummer it's easy to get stuck in like the driving force of it all and you think very like forward thinker Mm -hmm. and you know i'm doing this because you know, this is the tempo and, and it's the groove, but then I want to do this because it sounds fun right here. Well, it does sound fun right there for you, but sometimes it doesn't always sound fun there for others. Yeah. Uh, and especially coming with the, you know, from a prog, like crazy techie, whatever, yeah. fusion, even more or less, you, 
you get in the habit of being able to do whatever you want whenever you want to if it links up with somebody yeah it's still it's still super cool to me i my style overall is still gonna follow a, a, like a guitar like the lead guitar even during solos but whatever rhythm guitars and all the stabs and stuff i'll i'll mm-hmm. pick those up and you'll hear it you know my right hand comping this or whatever but yeah yeah the more, the more keyboard and stuff i played and and just uh, we had to sing we had to you know keyboard guitar whatever you wanted like bass you could choose like uh you know non-specific uh whatever you call it like majors but um yeah it, it helped me a lot in really every way possible as a musician because you also meet so many different personalities who are like your peers essentially and you're kind of all growing at the same time together into the industry and learning this and that about it and uh everybody's course is obviously like widely different but mm-hmm. um uh, course meaning like life course through the music industry but uh yeah i i really enjoyed it and i it's funny because now i look back and a lot of the stuff i was learning then just goes right through your head because you you can't intake all that information but there's a lot of things now i look back on and i'm like oh i'm glad i learned that then and can put it to use now you know yeah well and being like new in the band and you have one album underneath your belt what was kind of the recording process you know like taking everything you learned from that other instrument, working with the guys, because I've heard you say that they, like, they talk to you and they make you a part of the process now. So, like, what was the recording process for you guys like and the collaboration process with you being new in the band? But I've also heard from another interview that they, like, really do include you in ideas and, you know, like, create music with you instead of, you know, just saying, here, play this, like, do this, play this. Yeah, like by default, there's a little of that on this time because when I came into the band, F8 was already getting like, it was getting written in various ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Jason was doing a lot of his stuff and, and I would, you know, on that first tour, we would just jam on random ideas or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it became like, we finished that first tour I ever did. And then when it came to like actual writing time, um, I would go down with Zoltan and we'd jam around for, you know, just, uh, we'd just jam all day. Yeah. And then, take ideas and kind of conform them and whatever and then so yeah I, I um I was a part of you know a handful of the uh of the songs I guess but more like riffs you know like sections of music mm-hmm. because uh yeah because then obviously me being in Minnesota it made it a little trickier uh but yeah I'd go down as much as I could and then um yeah then that was that and then they get turned more into songs in the studio you know and less less just sections and um, and then Ivan does his thing on his own for the most part, you know, and him and Chirko go to go to work there. So, cool. yeah, Kevin's just a big part of the process as well. So it's it's uh, I just told them I'm here in whatever facet you need me. You know, I'm, I'm a flight away. So uh-huh. it worked out well. I'm really excited for the next one, whenever that may be, just because now it'll be like much more inclusive because yeah. I'm there. <laughs> yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, it's good, though. Yeah, we had a lot of fun doing it, too. Uh, it's fun to hear a lot of the sections that, you know, like I jammed with Zoltan on, like, a little electronic kit. It's fun to hear it now on its full song version, you know, on the record still for me, um, just as it is every other album I've ever done. But it's always cool when you're on the radio and stuff, because I've, you know, never had that before with all the proggy stuff I was doing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You get to hear yourself on the radio. That's really cool. Um, so being like such a prog guy, um, so technical, I know you love prog metal bands. What bands do you miss the most and who do you want to see first? 
Uh, that's pretty easy, I'd say, just because they were on the ones that, on the list like that I was going to go to, and then they got canceled. Mm-hmm. I always go Jira. I love those guys, both as people and and their music. Um, Haken, um, that that show, I was so disappointed. It was Haken, Devin Townsend, and The Contortionist. Mm-hmm. And I oh, love all, I love, love The Contortionist. Those. Yeah, yeah, I love all those bands, and yeah. I know members from each one and uh they're so they're like friends of mine too so it's always fun when you can see your friends jam and um i lost out on that one because of this but uh that would be another one devin is always a favorite of mine um leprous one of my favorites um yeah i those i've been into those types of bands lately kind of the more like Mm -hmm. artsy jammy sort of like almost Outer body experience is kind of how I would describe the contortionists. A lot of their stuff, I yeah, don't. Very ethereal, yeah. I haven't thought about uh, the contortionists in a really long time, but I don't even know the name of that song. But you know the song I'm talking about, where it just lifts you out of your body. You know which song I'm talking about. Probably clairvoyant, probably. Which one? Clairvoyant. Is it a newer one? Yeah, clairvoyant. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good tune. I think that's the the name of the album maybe but it's the name it of the is. song i think yeah yeah uh, i remember yeah, hearing it and they were playing in the city i was in like two days later and i freaked out tried to get a hold of their pr people so i could do an interview with them and it didn't end up working out but i was like damn it i wanted an interview with them so bad because of that one song that yeah it's a song. beautiful out-of-body experience just yep. cool that's up. another live when I can I missed out on them because of this so tool is always on the list for me I don't like tool it's like it's one of those ones that like everyone loves them so I'm like god why do I have to love them if everyone loves them it's like that kind of thing for me I'm like yeah everyone loves them I get it I got it oh my god I know it's a thing yes I know I just think it's one of those random rare bands that can touch people on like an extra level where they become overly obsessed because mm-hmm. it's like it opened up some part of their their brain and like their their view of music or whatever it could be that like now forever it will be that band that like brought them to the next level of thinking about music or drumming or get, however they got affected by the band you know yeah so it's one of those ones that some people get overzealous about just because to them it was like the revolution that their brain needed to kind of kick down the door to a next level of thinking about tunes or how they're affected by tunes or whatever. So mm-hmm. I know what you're saying, but yeah, there's still, I could listen to every tune. I've listened to all their records, obviously thousands of times at this point in my mm-hmm. life. I'm sure I, I grew up playing like dream theater, rush tool, you know, like I would learn everything note for note. I was with like OCD about learning the drum parts perfectly, how the drummer played them. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I did it for a reason if it's their part, you know? So yeah, I just, got a deep appreciation for Danny doing that just because his style is so it's it's not like he's reinventing any wheels but the way he does it with such like fashion and style and it's coming from within type stuff Mm -hmm. same with like Mario from Gojira um it's the same effect it's not like he's doing something I can't do or something it's just he's doing it in such a way that came from the heart and it's part of a bigger piece of the tune that it's always been like he's one of my favorites you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I love that um, with bands that have so many albums, and you're in one of those bands now, I always go like, oh my god, this album is so good. How did they do it again? I always have that feeling like they have so much incredible music. How did they do it again? How did they come out with another album? 
Do you feel that way about those musicians that you just mentioned? Because I always feel that way. I'm like, oh my God, you know, Seven Dust, Five Finger Death Punch, you know, like bands like that, every fucking album, like Papa Roach, every fucking album is so good. Like, how do they do it every single time? Yeah, I I think that a lot myself, and I I view that from multiple like angles too, because it's it's weird because you're also biased because you love them, so they can almost do no wrong. But other times it's the mm-hmm. opposite, and people get super like critical, and they're ready for you to make a mistake, and they're almost like seeking out the mistakes. Like, yeah, it's 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 always a weird balance. But for me personally, yeah, I I look at that all the time, just because it's just another book on the shelf. You don't have to read it. You know, mm-hmm. people take stuff so personally when they yeah. don't like an album if a band takes a turn. But, yeah. you know, like that, that's Opeth for me, though. I, I don't I don't care for anything past Watershed really at all, like specific songs I do. Mm-hmm. But um, but as a catalog, their first half or, you know, whatever. I don't even know if it's a half, but their first six, seven albums are like, uh, you know, one of my favorite bands of all time. And then. You know, the new stuff, I could probably make an eight song album that I would love out of the last four or five. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an interesting, like, dichotomy. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, but I think that all the time. I, it's every time I sit down at the drums and I have a bad day and, like, my creativity feels stunted, it's a good slap in the face that, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a craft. It doesn't just magically appear before you. So to do it time after time, that's the difficult part, you know. And a, and you surprise yourself every single time. And every uh, single yeah. time it still I, comes back. It's like that magic. And they're like, oh, it's my love it. It's so good. Yes. I, I need to have more of that attitude. Uh, oh, I do that with bands that I love. But for my own personal playing, I'm so self-critical. And like mm-hmm. once, I, once I do it, it's like, yeah, I should have done that first time and like or what like first time meaning you know why did it take me an hour to perfect it yeah um but it's more of a frustration than it is anything for me but that's just because of my approach to it and my mental like uh like i view it maybe differently than than you know others would perceive it once they listen to the drum groove they'd be like oh that's sweet but in my head i'm like "Ah, i could do this i could do you know you're always crafting and that's the that's the curse of the artist in me but um but yeah, that's the fun. That's what makes it fun, you know. Like if I didn't get pissed at it, why would I do it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, and I really have that feeling about you. I was thinking about it. I was like writing questions in the bathtub last night. I was like, this is the first drummer I think I've interviewed, especially on the podcast, maybe ever. So, okay. uh, yeah, you might be like the only drummer I've ever interviewed. I was thinking about it. You might be. I can't think of another one. And especially you. Like I feel like you approach music so differently because you are so technical i know why i love music but do you love music because of the technicality or is it all about feeling for you i was kind of wondering that about you because you know i was listening to five fingers music and when i was it's different when you're interviewing a drummer you listen to the drum tracks and you like it's all music but then you start you single out an instrument and you hear it differently so do you judge music and enjoy music differently because of that i would say i when i was growing up i definitely enjoyed it because it was technical mixed with like cool like Mm -hmm. the technicality if it sounded good was awesome to me like i wasn't a big fan of like much jazz swing that that era even though there's like a technicality behind it but the the 
sound and the whatever didn't really catch me, but I loved fusion stuff. As busy and crazy as that stuff can be, like Mahavishnu Orchestra, you know, and then like even like the cheesy stuff because the drumming's so good, like any of the Dave Wackel, like old chambers, old all those like kind of goofy drum albums, if you will, from mm-hmm. like yeah, late eighties, nineties mainly, like mid nineties, early nineties. Uh, but for me now, definitely has nothing to do with the technicality, unless the tune's so cool with the technicality mixed in that it might bring it up a notch for me, but. I'm definitely more of a song guy uh, the last eh, five years of my life, but I still listen to a lot of like techier metal, but it doesn't sound that techie to me, you know? Mm-hmm. It's more like I kind of blend in, but like I definitely don't sit down and learn other people's music anymore and be like, oh, listen how like intricate that groove was. I want to I wanna learn that. Like I, I have no desire to sit down and, and learn anybody else's stuff for, I think, if anything, a hindrance because to learn another guy's like, approach is always good because it's tough Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially when you've been doing your own thing for so long it's very easy to get repetitive so like I'll hear the repetition in my playing and it drives me crazy and I'm like yeah maybe I should go jam to some you know some old whatever soil work or yeah just to switch it up you know yeah for sure well and right at the end exactly what you said and kind of like brings everything full circle because you know, I was saying, oh, my God, you know, how do all these bands, like, come up with different things? You know, Five Fingers Sound is so in your face and so heavy and so, like, you know, what yeah, knuckle, five, you know, yeah. knuckle to your chin. But it yeah. is all different. So that's kind of exactly what you said. Like, how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep it different? And you guys keep doing it. So there you go. Yeah, you know, and I, I think with, with Death Punch, it's a different take in terms of, like, it's it's a sound in itself. So, like to really mess with that too much could get weird, you know, like mm-hmm. there's definitely elements getting thrown in now on F8 that had been missing for a while. And there's various reasons to that. Uh, and that's not for better or for worse or anything, but we definitely with this one took a little more Liberty as far as especially section wise, like you'll hear some certain sections where you're like, that doesn't even sound like death punch to me right now. So, you know, there's, yeah, yeah. with death punch, you can't, you can't stray too far from the path because people, you know, if I'm going to put in Britney Spears, I better hear Britney Spears and not Meshuggah type effect. You yeah. know, like you can't like go too crazy if you're a, if you're like a radio driven band in terms of like not meaning we write for the radio, but you know, your songs are getting played on the radio. Yeah. And you can I think you can tell, though, the elements that got mixed in with some of these tunes versus a lot of the last singles. Um, well, especially a little bit off. Um, yeah, so yeah. like my girlfriends, they're not metal people. They don't understand it. I we went camping this weekend and I got drunk enough that I started playing metal. I would typically never do that. They don't understand it. It's not for them. I you know it's not their thing. But like mm-hmm. they were so drunk they didn't bitch about it. But I played a little bit off for my friends at the beginning of all of this, and they're like, "Oh, I really love that band. Who is that?" You know, and I like I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah Five Finger Death Punch. It's not for you." You know, like <laughs> they it's it's not for you. Don't worry about it. But like they're like, yeah. "Oh, I love that song. Who is that?" And I'm like, "Honey, it's not for you." But Yes, that's who it is, but a little bit off. That's a huge hit, and it's completely different. There's huge elements to that, and it's super successful, even though it it has like a little bit of like the wrong side of heaven. That yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, to yeah, it. it's got it's, the softness is there, yeah. you, like the the lighthearted feel. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the whole vibe of it is definitely you know new for Death Punch overall. I'd say mm-hmm. where yeah, and I mean it's it might end up being the most successful single that we've had i would 
think based on the numbers. I don't know the numbers as far That's as great. Like, That's exciting to hear. That's cool. I don't, I don't know like streams or any, or I don't even know how they rate that stuff anymore, to be honest with you. Good for all, you. You have people for that. Uh, you don't need to like ruin your life with that. That sounds horrible. Uh, and I could care <laughs> yeah. less anyways. But yeah. I know it's been number one on the rock charts for like 12 weeks now, which I think is as long as any song I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, in recent history for any band. So I'd imagine it's got to be up there for us. Well, it's a song of the time. So it's like perfectly epitomizes how we're all feeling right now. So funny, funny enough. Yeah. It came out at the right time unknowingly, you know, it did. It really That's why did. I wasn't, I wasn't even, I wasn't even pissed. I wasn't in the video because it's, it's so perfect for Ivan to be in a desolate Las Vegas, like, you know, it, it couldn't have been better having it like that mm-hmm. uh, as as the, you know, what the portrayal of the song, even though, you know, it didn't start off with that because it was written long before COVID. But, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially like um, Fire from the Gods. Do you know their music at all? Yeah, I've toured with them. They're friends of mine. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, you know, their music. So all their music. And I had AJ on the podcast. Um, yeah. Holy shit. You know, all their music, every single song off their last album. Whoa. Yeah. You know, like songs for the times. Hello. Whoa. Yep. You know, it's crazy. Um, so let's kind of like, uh, let's hear the story about how you got in the band. I actually heard rumors that it was happening that Five Finger was looking for a new drummer, but they'd been together for so long. It was really hard for me to imagine that there would be a new member in the band. And then it happened you transitioned in and it was really seamless and it sounded like no one was talking shit. Everyone was happy. It was cool. You know, it seemed really seamless. Tell us like the story about all of it. Oh yeah. I'll give you the, I'll give you the like summary that isn't horrifically long, but long story Mm -hmm. shorter is, um, me and Jeremy were friends like through the internet. Just, he was like a fan of my drumming or whatever. So we just became drum buddies and would talk, you know, about random stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, he hit me up once, and it, it seemed a little bit different at the time, too, of, like, he, he he was almost, like, digging, I think. It was, like, asking me questions about, like, what I wanted to do in the future and stuff. And this is a long time before, you know, a long time meaning probably a year or something, mm-hmm. a half a year before. But So, yeah, Jeremy and I talked about it, and he's like, you know, for sure, man, you, you need to be on the big stage, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, yeah, that anytime, man, you hear of any gig coming around, you let me, you know. Yeah. So it's funny because then it ended up being his gig but um but no yeah we were good buddies as far as drums go we didn't know each other at all but we talked and had open communication and then uh jeremy um told jason about me or whatever and so then when jason hit me up about it it started off like way earlier than than like it was like may of of 2018 and so i didn't tour till november of 2018 but um so yeah, or October, whatever it was, but it doesn't matter. So then I talked to Jason throughout the summer. They were on tour uh, of the Breaking Ben one that I ended up joining the second leg of. And long story short, this is a fun for drummers thing now, is, is uh, I was on the phone with uh, Drumeo on a Skype call just like this, and Drumeo is like the big online music education. Uh, like they get, in, they get in known drummers, who then like teach some lessons and do some cool live videos in a really nice studio. And like, yeah, it's a big, like, it's, it's cool if you're a drummer to do it and to have the invite and all of that. So I was on this thing with that and I saw my phone blowing up next to me and it was like Jeremy and Zoltan who I'd started talking to by this point. And I was going to go hang out with them the next week in Chicago just to watch the show and hang with the guys. And Jeremy was like, 
hey man yeah i gotta i i need a drummer for the fall and you're my guy you want to do it so it was pretty much that easy and then mm-hmm. i went down the next week and instead of just watching the show i played on stage with them and and then spent like four days on the road or something with them to just to feel each other's vibes and make sure the other dudes were cool with it and then it was pretty much that simple in terms of then yeah i went home learned the tunes for two months um and got good at like the live show more than the tunes mm-hmm. uh, so that I could jump into the fall tour. And then the fall tour went super well. And so they wanted to keep me around. Thank God. And then, um, yeah, now it's, now it's, it's, it's weird because now it feels like I've been in the band for years and years, which it's only been two years, but like our relationships together grew really fast, which helped because uh, obviously jumping on, like I always refer to it as like a freight train that's already going fast as I could ever imagine to just jump into that. There's so many like intangibles and variables that people wouldn't even think of like myself included at the time where it's like, I don't even have the gear to do this. I don't have, like I had sponsors and everything and like endorsements, but like this is a really big version of the endorsement. It's not like ship it to my house and then I'll play it for three months and never need, you know what I mean? It's like, so there's all these little things you got to deal with in a short time when you're going to pull off a tour like that. But, um, went really well the fans have been nothing but amazing to me honestly i've never taken any grief um and so that was nice in the beginning especially just because you're you know you're just like i don't want to step into this big operation and be like hey you guys want to see what i can do you know so i know my role you know and Mm -hmm. um yeah the guys and i get along great you know amazing like just seeing them last week it was so nice to see them because I hadn't seen him in, I don't even know, seven months or whatever the hell month it is now. That's so crazy. Um, That's yeah. so insane. Yeah, so it's, it's been great. Um, and that's that's it. It's all been kind of, you know, smooth sailing since then as far as, like, you know, being accepted into the band and all and all of that. So, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's been a wild couple of years for, for my mind. <laughs> living the dream, man. Living the dream. Yeah. I, it's different well i know you're like an 80s guy so you like appreciate the big arena and the big show but you know your music background you know i bet you could have like never imagined that situation no i you know no way because i mm-hmm. i knew i'd be playing big shows one day in my life just because yeah. that's what i strive for. but uh i never thought it would be on this level you know right. and then and then to be doing it with guys that i actually enjoy which is tough because you know, I came in the, uh, the odd man out or, you know, not even the odd man out. I was just the, the new guy. And, mm-hmm. um, they could have treated me any way they wanted to, as far as like, they didn't have to be friends with me or, or enjoy my company or anything like yeah. that. They could just be like, show up and play the show and let's keep this machine Everyone rolling. Everyone have their own bus. You don't talk till you get on stage kind of thing, but now they're cool. I, yeah. Right. You never know how it could go. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, yeah been great and they, they're not that type anyways it's just i didn't know what they'd be like going into it mm-hmm. and uh yeah they, they couldn't have been cooler to me and it's been it's been a lot of fun and we i miss the live show so much it's ridiculous now like at first it was kind of like oh this would be kind of nice to take a little time off we've been touring hard my dog died the day i got home from the the megadeth like when we megadeth tour so like there was changes too for me where it was like all right maybe a little breather isn't the worst thing in the world we'll come back in the fall we'll rip it up and then when the fall one got canceled, that's where I was like, all right, this this officially sucks. You know, like I you start to feel like you got no purpose anymore. You know, like your sense of purpose goes out the window and all of a sudden you're like, I don't want to do housework every day, even though that's 
benefiting my life. It's just not enjoyable mentally anymore. And so it, it took a lot of my drive away too from drumming, um, which I thought it was going to be the opposite. I thought I'd start mm-hmm. shredding on the drum every day. Like I'm going to come out better than I've ever been. And it was like, I don't even want to play. What's the point? I don't want to post another video on the internet. Like I'm so sick of social media posts as it, as it was. Yeah. That this is like the wrong time for, for uh, COVID for me. Cause I was already like, maybe if I get a couple posts out a month, I'm good with it. Yeah. And now it was like, I'm, I'm supposed to be posting and I don't even want to do it, but yeah. it's also super down. And how many drum videos do you need to see of me? You can watch them until your eyes bleed anyway. I'll do plenty more, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's actually really funny that you said that. Cause I feel the exact same way with, you know, doing interviews. It's for me, my passion, my love for everything. I love doing interviews, but it's all about the live show. It's all about getting to a concert, getting to a show for me. So with everything being canceled, it's really disheartening and it's really crushes your soul, crushes your spirit a lot because like the payoff for me is getting to like talk about the experience, but going to the show and just like being in the crowd with everyone else and feeling what your music makes me feel. And I really resonate with exactly what you said a lot because I feel the exact same way. It's you know, I'm very happy to be doing this and such a good opportunity to like spend a lot of time on it. But yeah, it really breaks your heart at the same time, not being able to get the payoff for all of the hard work for it. Yeah. The payoff is going to the show. Yeah. That's the fun part. You know, everything else is work around it. The show is when I'd be like jacked up and ready to rock. So yeah, the show is when I get to like dress up and like wear heels and drink beers and well, not, not around five finger, of course. (laughs) <laughs> it's sober around five finger, but like way far away from the camp, you know, yeah, have no, drinks, yeah. the show. That's what I enjoy, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, it's a blast. And, uh, mm-hmm. that's, I think also the, the goofy thing with this feeling right now is everything just keeps getting delayed and there's no rhyme or reason to any cancellations. And, you know, so like, you know, I see fans in Kansas city the other day in their stadium and yeah, it's like limited fans, but it's still a large amount of people. Yeah. So then why we play that or, or why is the entertainment world getting so controlled, but you can go to home Depot every day and there's, you know, however many thousand people walking through those stores throughout the day. And there's some imbalances in the whole approach and to see the whole entertainment industry get crushed intentionally with like no room for operation is just a little bizarre to me. And I, I feel like it's a way to keep people's focus on the doom and gloom of everyday shit life that currently exists as far as they want it to be concerned, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there's no there's no happiness that they're portraying that we're yeah. looking forward to or anything. They just keep driving home that the world's, you know, in, in a blaze, both metaphorically and literally. And then, you know, you got fires, you got an election, you, you know, you hate the president or you it's, it's just like, oh, my God. OK, yeah, but no shows. So no fun. But no, yeah, yeah, no fun. Well, it's weird. So there's one venue here in Austin, Come and Take It Live. And yeah, so they've had some shows. So my friend, actually, he does, uh, his name's Eric. He does pyro for Disturbed and Kiss and a bunch of all these people. Um, And he's in this band called Slayterica. And they're good. They're very, very, very good. And Come and take it live. They've actually been having some shows, and I looked up their concert list last night, and it looks like they're going to have some, but I've been to, like, come and take it live, and they've had some shows, so I don't know if they still are. They're canceled, but or if they're canceled, but I was at, like, a live show 
a lot of people and they had like a bike rally there too. So there was like 200 people at come and take a look. Uh, so that's right. kind of cool. You know, I feel yeah. we're, pro we're probably cheating, you know, the rest of the country, but there's like one venue in Austin, Texas. They're like actually doing some things. I don't know if they still are because I looked at the calendar and like some were postponed, some were marked uncanceled. Some are, yeah. you know, still playing. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, comedians are doing a few random shows now. And, mm -hmm. you know, some of the smaller are able to, to play, which is a good start. I mean, at this point, it just feels like I don't even know what's happening anymore because they could just be lying about everything for all I know. I, it's too hard to keep up with it. Everything's True. just a blurry mess, you know. So whatever. In the meantime, we sit back and uh, kind of do podcasts really, I think, more and than do anything. lives and do social yeah. media. Yeah. Yeah, just prepare to come out coming out hard you know like i'll never take a live show for granted again that's for sure if i ever did before i don't i was never that type really like every show i enjoyed i played because i never wanted somebody to come see a show and then be like that was great but yeah he seemed like he was having an off day even if my playing was good but my energy sucked so like i've never mm -hmm. played a show and been like i'm gonna just ride this one out get it over with you know except for one time when i was like dealing with some weird ass like muscle pain in my chest and it was like a blur but yeah uh yeah, yeah, I I took I never really took shows for granted, but whatever I thought I didn't take for granted before, it's even going to be more so. Like, all right, enjoy this as if it's your last show, because for God's sakes, it could be. <laughs> mm -hmm, absolutely, yeah. I remember seeing, and I don't even mind saying it, but I do remember seeing an Avenged Sevenfold show one time, and I forget it was like one of the guitar players or bass players, and I was like right in front of him, and the entire time he was just phoning it in and like so annoyed that he was there and not home, and you could just like read PlayStation on his face, and I was like, ugh, it just like really I hated that, and I was just right smack dab in front of him, and he couldn't have cared less. So it's good that you you don't do that. So good for you. I like that. It's energy thing, you know. You got to give mm -hmm. the energy to receive it type of an effect. And uh, if you phone it in, it, it's one thing to be mentally phoned in. That's all right. But you mm -hmm. still got to bring table physically and pretend even if yeah. you're, you know. Pretend for me. I showed up. I was yeah. there. I fought myself. I fought my way to the barricade. Like, I was on the front row. Yeah, and, and once you pretend, it, it's real. Just like mm -hmm. placebo effect. You can call it a placebo effect and that it's not real. But once it works, it works, you know. So it's, it's that effect that I've always tried to, to act like and portray to the audience so i think i've been good about that and drumming you know you better get fired up for it because it doesn't care <laughs> it's very um overhead that's very like it's not underhanded it's very overhead especially five finger for sure does yeah, uh does five finger have anything like really fun on the rider that's like 66 blue m&ms or anything like that is there anything funny on there Oh, I don't think so. I heard Tommy Lee get asked this question the other day on one of po some podcasts I was listening to, and he didn't have anything funny either. Uh -huh. uh, I think there's definitely nothing funny in that way of like, okay, yeah, if he asked specific thing or something yeah. weird. Um, no, ours is like super healthy. <laughs> like we have the most healthy rider I bet in in all of rock music. That's for sure. I'm I'm sure there's other bands who do the same thing, but yeah, it's all like you know vegan everything and and uh, like all an organic natural like uh you know like all my stuff's like organic like mine are my riders kombucha pressed juice uh like cashews you know like hummus mm -hmm. and pretzels. <laughs> um 
nice. that's about it. But it's like fruit tray. There you go. But, Those are like all the things I buy. I have a health food grocery store across the street from where I live. So I walk across the street. There's a Starbucks and then there's a foot spa massage place and then there's the health food store. So it's like a really good, it's a nice little routine. Yeah, it's a routine. That's, uh, we like the routines in Death Punch as well. We like, we don't like our routines broken. I think I can speak for every one of us when I say that. We, mm-hmm. uh, especially on tour, we enjoy our, our like daily cycle and when it gets thrown off, you can tell. <laughs> there you go. Um, so... I want to know, I love old Five Finger, I love new Five Finger. What are some of your old Five Finger Death Punch tracks, and what are your favorite ones to play? Um, yeah, those are pretty easy, I'd say. I, I like Coming Down to play. Um, I like Lift Me Up and Under and Over It. Um, Ooh, Under and Over It. I forgot about that song. I'm under yeah, and over it. We always, yeah, we always oh yeah. Start or end with that one, usually, or we did. Uh, not like fully end, but before the encore. And um, that's a good one on either front edge of that, you know, end or starter. Uh, that one I'd say I get the most like heavy hitting with for some reason. Like there's been times where it's at the end of the show kind of before the, uh, you know, the um, actually, I think I, I'm lying. We've even done it in the encore. So whatever. It's always mm-hmm. towards the end of the show. And uh, there's been times where I'd hit so hard and I'd already been so tired because my drum solos in burn usually or like right before it. Uh, so that's another favorite to play is Burn, too, in the fire and laser section. And that is, is sweet from my Insane. angle. Yeah. But, uh, but that drum solo being that late in the set, it crushes me. And uh, and it Burn is not the easiest song anyway. So to put them both together, I come out of that pretty tired but fired up. And so, yeah, under and over it a few times, I've been like, okay, hold back just a hair. Like I could feel my yeah. vision a little cloudy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but That's yeah, funny. those, and then there's been a few that we've been playing lately that I really enjoy. Um, what are some of the ones we added? See, I have a funny a thing where there's been about five or six tunes with Death Punch I've played, and I didn't play them until we were on the stage in front of people. Like, we didn't oh, rehearse wow. them. So there's been a few that took over. Like, Got Your Six is always a fun one. Um, Burn It Down, that was the one I really enjoyed from the last tour. We threw that in there, and Burn It Down's a good one. It can let loose a little bit. And I can get away with, like, yeah, I know about pick. Burn It Down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I play that one a little extra. Yeah. I usually keep the songs to them, like, like the originals so that the mm-hmm. fans can sing the fills if they know them, you know, or at least close to it. But I, I throw in some of my own little ones in, in that one, um, which makes it a little fun because it's fast, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, those are those are some of my favorites. Battleborn, too. I like the original, like, listening to it. We play, a, like, a half-acoustic version. Uh, which is cool too in the set, but I like the original on the on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I really like are... it when Jason brings out his guitar and does the acoustic with Ivan. That's really cool. Oh yeah, that's always yeah. Everybody loves that, especially if mm-hmm. you've never seen the show before. It's always yeah, good. yeah. And you wouldn't expect it from like a Death Punch show. You're like, what? Yeah, even like hearing you say the song titles. Oh, I miss shows so much, especially when you're like under and over it and burn it down. Uh, miss that so much. Um, oh, I know. I've never, I've honestly never felt this way when it comes to live music as I have the last probably three months because mm-hmm. it started months ago and I was like, there's no way in hell our tour is happening because it's, they're not going to let us. You know? Yeah. It's going to play so many arenas I've never played before that I've been looking forward to, like the Forum in LA, Red Rocks. Uh, a bunch of hockey arenas because I'm a huge hockey guy. Mm-hmm. So I was going to cross off like 
I don't even know, at least seven or eight. Uh, they excel in my home, my home state here, the, the wild rink. Um, so yeah, that was another disappointment alone is just seeing some of these places I wanted to see from the, you know, the other side of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. From the production side of it and Red Rocks, I hope it's still there after all this, like save our stages, you know, bail out the industry, you know, that's never gotten a bailout before ever. And thus you're bailing everyone else out. Make sure you save our stages. Like, could you imagine like Red Rocks not even being there? Like just all the legendary places to play. It's really insane to think about. I don't think us musicians would let that one specifically happen, but we're going to lose a lot. I, I would imagine yeah. we're going to lose. A lot, we're going to lose a lot of the industry in general. There's going to be a lot of bands that disappear after this. There's just no way they think it for, prevail through all of this you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's just impossible yeah oh i know like a really big musician they just put out an album and um one of the members is like getting his real estate license right now and they're like a big band and he's like taking time he's like yeah i'm gonna go into real estate now it's like okay yeah yep uh it's a travesty on on an epic level and yeah you don't even need you know i don't even have to say anything and you know my position on it all so (laughs) yep exactly okay so last two questions i want to know best compliment you've ever gotten from another musician your peer and best compliment you've ever gotten from a fan that's a tough one well the fan ones are easier because it's a lot of the same ones but they're also meaningful of like Mm -hmm. you know like the best drummer even if that's it's it's not even meaning I'm the best drummer, but just like they appreciate my drumming so much, it makes them say that. It's the way that you made them feel. Yeah. yeah so those are those never go un, unheard, you know. Like everybody likes to hear that, and that's more important to me than like coming up with some crazy ass drum groove that nobody else could ever play if they tried. It. We could all all of us drummers who are proficient at the instrument could do that to each other all day, you know. So that's irrelevant. But to become part of something that's so big, it's way beyond what you could ever do personally is, is always been my goal. So I've achieved that enough to now to like, it never gets old hearing it. And then um, from up here, there's actually been a ton just because anytime they say anything that's like super complimentary, but also like you can tell it's a next level. All right. I got a good one that just popped into my head. Uh, so there's a drum shop down in Memphis, Tennessee called, um, now I have to think of it because I did it. It's mysymbol.com is what I did all the all the things for Memphis Drum Shop. And um, so Jim, the owner, Jim came up to me and uh, he's been in the industry forever. And he gets all these insane drummers all the time to come do mysymbol.com, which is like a, another honor thing and, and all of this. And this is before Death Punch. And um, and he goes, hey, you know, like, yeah, what I really liked about your playing was you're a lot like a Dave Weckl mixed with like, I forget who else he said, but I just remember he said Dave Weckl. And really what he was saying was like, you're kind of like a fusion guy that like has his, has a more metal voice, but it's like your phrasing is really like creative and unique. And so the fact that he was able to kind of like decipher my style, the way I would try to describe myself it is it was like, it was nice to hear just cause it was like, Oh, see, he looks through the like, wow, that was really crazy. Or, you know, not that Jim would say that, but just somebody else would say like, yeah, you're so crazy. That's always the thing. You're like, it, it's not, it's not intended to be crazy because I'm, I'm like, I need to be crazy for people. It's just what comes out of me. It's just the way it's yeah. in my. In- <laughs> so it's yeah. like they see you how you see yourself and you appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. Because he looked through the craziness. He didn't really care that it was crazy. He saw my phrasing and it being coming from the other angle of like, I'm not out there just playing fast because I want to play fast and be like impressive physically. It's just, that's just the way I am. If you know me as a person too, everything I do is 
kind of like I'm very like hyper focusy type of a person. So yeah, that was probably the best when it comes to peers. But I've had so many like drummers I looked up to give me compliments that it was amazing. So yeah, I could go down the list of them. Marco Miniman had a nice compliment for me recently that I was like, oh, I felt like a kid again. Uh, Thomas Lang, who I love, like some of those guys, Mario from Gojira, any of those dudes give me high praises. Eloy uh, Casagrande, who's one of my favorite drummers of like the modern era. He plays for Sepultura now, and I consider him the best metal drummer by a landslide. And uh, he's he always says nice things to me. So, yeah, those guys, it's always fun hearing it from your friends, you know. So you've done well in life. So you've done good. So you're yeah. happy with where you're at. That's great. I'm happy with what I accomplished behind a drum set. Yes, I have mm-hmm. more to go, but I've I'm I can die content if I had to. But I I would be uh, I'd be bummed if I didn't uh, accomplish a few more things. There you go. So what um what's left to accomplish? I think at this point it's going to be uh, a solo record of some sort, but I wouldn't really call it a solo record. I think it's going to come out in chunks and tunes and like. I don't really know, but it's I'm into like electronic, like uh, synth wave stuff, and um, I've always wanted to do like a drum album that is essentially my in Instagram drumming stuff, like the more just creative kind of out there, whatever you want to call it, drumming, but with like a cool background that actually gives it the vibe I was trying to portray when I played the groove initially. That that effect. Yeah. So I'll probably probably start to focus on doing more complete ideas. That's a better way to put it. And then uh, other than that, just get back back out uh, to the live shows. I'm going to take that serious. And I'm going to start hitting the weights hard again and just kind of kind of start to fall into a routine. I think I've, uh, I've ignored routines because I've had the ability to, you know, just do this housework and all the, the random stuff. And now it's mm-hmm. time to get back to being serious when it comes to, like, yeah, working out. And then that includes drumming. And uh, they kind of go hand in hand. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's time to time to become a little bit better again at drums <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yep. well uh thank you so much for doing the podcast um anything else you want to say that was that was pretty much nailed on the head routines workout and drums and lift yep, weights yep. lift heavy things and hit hard right exactly and hit the woods as usual but it, uh oh is that yeah. a, you're the first drummer i've ever interviewed i think in like 10 years so is that what us, is that what us drummers say? We say hit the woods. I meant hit the real woods and go camping and fishing and hunting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You hit the woods too. These are wood. <laughs> oh my god! Thanks for listening, guys. If you like today's episode and you're a metalhead, share this podcast with one of your metalhead friends. Follow me on Instagram at scandalousofficial or tweet me at scandalous says. Anything you like, didn't like, or who you want to see on next. The Scandalous Podcast is produced by me, Scandalous, and edited by Mariah Gossett.